Good morning and welcome to Trinity Church. My name is Gijo Joseph, and I'm, I'm thrilled to get to preach to you this morning. I'm a friend of your leadership and, and really appreciate this church. In fact, I think it was about a year ago that I was actually able to be with you. I'm glad, to, again, to open up God's Word at the beginning of 2021. So welcome to church and um, online, and also welcome to this year. Um, your church is in a series uh, entitled Disruptive Grace, and I love this title. It really means a lot to me because the reality is that um, we have all experienced so many different types of disruptions in this season, from the pandemic to political unrest to, to um, relational, institutional, educational, maybe even familial upheaval that's been going on in and around our world a great summation of that could be found in that word disruption. That you and I have experienced incredible amounts of disruption. Some of this disruption has been for our good, and some of it has been for bad. And yet the reality is that for God's children, there's not just two categories, there's three. There's not just the good and bad of disruption, but there's also the grace of disruption. Um, Because behind disruption is a God who is full of grace and is full of truth. Behind disruption is a God who is in and all in, in all and, and through all things. Behind this is a heavenly father who, who says that he's working all things out for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purposes. I love what pastor and author Scotty Smith says in a prayer. He says, Lord, help me to accept disruption as a necessary part of transformation. Help us to accept disruption as a necessary part of transformation. So for the next few weeks, you're going to get to hear of different saints from the scriptures and their own experiences of their own uh, disruptive realities that were followed up by God's amazing grace. And so this morning, I want to share with you the disruption of Gideon from Judges chapter 6. But a little bit about the the context of Judges before we get into it. Judges is a book of God's people that are, that are going through this cycle over and over and over again. And the cycle is a cycle of sin. And, and the way that it works is that, that God's people are in peace, are living in the season of shalom, and they begin to do evil in the sight of the Lord. That the sin cycle begins where God, uh, God's people begin to start looking more like the world and no different than, um, and, and, no, and not set apart, not holy. And so God would allow them to allow their sin realities to kind of take them where, they, where sin will take us. And it's further and further into destruction. And they, God allows them to be conquered, be oppressed by those that are around. They would begin to finally see their sin, repent of their sin. And then God would send a judge or deliverer to save them and to bring them back into a season of, of peace and shalom. But eventually they would sin again and fall back into oppression and slavery and devastation. And this happens over and over and over, even to a place where you're beginning to read at the end of this book and you begin to think, wow, this is very disturbing. Um, and, and, And the point that God allows us to see from the book of Judges is that there is power in our sin. And there is, there is a path that our sin will take us down into further and further devastation. But it also points to our desperate need for a deliverer, a true and perfect deliverer, uh, namely found uh, in the person of Jesus. Well, this morning, I got um, two simple points that are going to be interwoven throughout this chapter. My two points are this. With God, 
communal disruptions invite us to personal grace. And the other side of, the, of that is that with God, personal disruptions invite us to the mission of grace. So communal disruptions, the things that happen into our lives are not just to you individually, but to those that are around, that those communal disruptions invite us to personal individual grace and personal disruptions invite us to the mission of grace. Let me uh, read from Judges 6, 1 through 10, and we will see that point kind of played out throughout this chapter. Judges 6, starting in verse 1. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel, and because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no substance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock in their tents. They would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted so that they laid waste the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. You see what's happening here is that the people does, they do evil in the sight of the Lord. And these Midianites are simply, they're bullies. They, are, uh, they overpower Israel. And it's not just them. It's the Amalekites and people from the east. And it gets so bad that God's people are in their country, but they're hiding out in caves uh, and they are running for their lives. Uh, they were an agrarian society, and they were not even able to make any sort of living because every time they would begin to, to make anything, these bullies, the Midianites and the Malachites, would come in and devour their land. Let me keep reading verse uh, 7 to 10. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall, fear, you shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice." You know, um, a couple interesting things here. One is, um, what is really abnormal has become normal, right? Like what has, uh, is meant to be so incredibly abnormal has become abnormal. It's what is absurd really has become abnormal. Like sin has a way of making us foolish or even stupid, right? Like sin has a way of making us stupid. Now, I realize that my seven-year-old is probably going to listen to this sermon, <laughs> and when he does, he's going to say, Dad, you said a bad word, because that is a bad word for my seven-year-old in my household. And, I, and, and to you, my little man, I would say, and to anyone who's listening, that is a bad word. Uh, S-T-U-P-I-D is a bad word, but you know what's even worse than that and is the word sin. <laughs> the sin has, uh, is right, it's right to be defined by foolishness or stupidity. Um, and that is what sin does in our lives. Um, what is absurd or abnormal really has become normal. Let me be real quick in, in a quick illustration of this. Um, 
in this time of COVID, my wife and I, um, we get away as much as we can, but we can't get away that much. And so the other day we went on a, a really romantic date uh, to the grocery store. And my wife and I were in the car. We get a call from my 13-year-old who says, hey, dad, um, do you hear that noise? And sure enough, there was this insidious, loud, beeping noise. And I thought, what is that noise? And he said, don't worry, it's a fire alarm, um, but there's no fire. And I said, great. I said, well, uh, what are you doing about it? And he said, well, nothing. I mean, we're just playing. We're having a good time. And I thought, what is abnormal has become very normal. <laughs> like, this is a lot like what's going on here. They're hiding caves. They're doing crazy things. And as my son walked closer and closer, the obnoxious sound of that. I was like, how in the world could you be living in this? Uh, what is absurd had become normal. And God's response to them is also very interesting here. You see, when they cry out, God gives them a prophet. A prophet? Like, you, uh, like really? That's like your answer? That's a funny response. It'd be like if you were being robbed and you text your neighbor and they send you a podcast of like why you should lock your doors. <laughs> you know, like the reality is that, that um, a prophet makes no sense here except the fact that God wants to do something far deeper in their lives. You see, what God is trying to do is far deeper, that God wants to not just simply take away um, they're physical enemies, but he wants to dig deeper into the spiritual realities, the spiritual uh, disruptions that are going on in their hearts. So let's keep reading in verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joaz the Abizrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now, that last line, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor, the ancient readers would have read that, and they would have laughed out loud, like LOL. <laughs> like, like, they would have been like, wait, there's no way. Because you see, what's happening here is he is farming in a cave. He's hiding out because of his fear, and, um, and so the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor, makes no sense that... Um, Except for the fact that God is being straight up honest about God's sovereign, grace-filled view of Gideon, despite his predicament, despite where he is, that God sees past the moment into who Gideon is and who God is making him into being. Let's keep reading. Um, verse 13, And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. The term here that Gideon uses when, he's, when he interacts with this angel is Lord. And you've got to understand, this: he does not see this as an angel of, of God. He doesn't see this as any sort of Lord or Master. It's, it's more of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a term of of reverence, right? It's more like saying, sir. It's like, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened? Let's keep reading. And the Lord turned and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Do not I send you? And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. 
And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. You see, Gideon's response is incredibly understandable here. First, he questions God, like, God, if you had been so good, like, how are all these things happening? Why are all these things happening? If you are to be our God, like, how are these things happening? And second, he begins to question himself. Let me be clear on that first thought. Um, There are times, there are times like this one in the book of Judges, where sin leads us so far away from what is true and right and normal um, that our perspective is so skewed. Like, sin uh, makes us S-T-U-P-I-D, um, and if sin does that, idols make us blind. And idols cause us to be blind to God, to ourselves, and to reality. So there are times where sin is the reason for disruption in our lives. But there are also times, friends, um, where because we live in a broken world, because we live in a fallen world, where things simply happen um, to God's people, that hardship isn't always because you have directly sinned, right? Hardship is not always because you've directly sinned. In this case, it is with God's people in Judges 6, but that's not always the case. And God's response to Gideon here is a beautiful one. I love that the Lord doesn't answer him directly, but rather he rightly directs him to mission as a way of the answer. God's personal disruptions invite us to the mission of grace. God's personal disruptions invite us to the mission of grace. He says to Gideon, I am sending you. The second question that comes into Gideon's heart and mind is also very understandable. He's like, God, you've got the wrong guy, right? Like, I'm sorry, sir, you've got the wrong guy. I'm not a mighty man of valor. Do you see what's happening here? Like, I'm farming in a cave because I am terrified. I'm out of my wits terrified. You got the wrong guy. Um, Well, with God, communal disruption invites us to personal grace. What God does and how he responds is how he begins. He begins and ends this section. It's even in the middle of where I just read with these simple four powerful words, I am with you. What God says to Gideon is incredible grace. He says, I am with you. That whenever God allows this broad sweeping disruptions, these natural consequences of our sins or even the natural consequences of living in a fallen world, God is doing something in the lives of his children to invite us into deeper grace, into deeper communion, into deeper recognition that God says, I am with you. That the good that God has in store for us is found in these four words, I am with you. Gideon does nothing to deserve or merit those words. I am with you, O mighty man of valor. And when you begin to think about it, this is a theme not just for Gideon, but it's his theme throughout the entire scriptures. You see, like all the way back, even with Abram in Genesis um, 15, it says this, um, do not be afraid, Abram. Um, I am your shield, your very great reward, Genesis 15. And later we see in, in, um, in uh In Genesis 26, when God speaks to Isaac, he says this, Stay in the land as a foreigner, and I will be with you. Genesis 26, verse 3. And with Jacob, Jacob's wrestling with God was the picture of God being with him. 
So when God names him and renames him Israel, Israel was Jacob's proper name that meant striving with God. You begin to think about Joseph, despite all the terrible things that happened in the life of Joseph. This is what it says in Genesis 39. He says, while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him and extending kindness to him, granting him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. And this theme is not just simply something that is found in the Old Testament, but friends, this is found throughout the New Testament and even into uh, us today in the New Testament when Jesus calls his disciples in the beginning of Mark, Mark 3, verse 14, it says this, that he chose the 12. Why? Why did he choose the 12? Why does he choose any of us? That they would be with him and that he would send them out to preach. And even at the Great Commission, at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, when he sends them out, Right, to go into all the world, this is what he ends with. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. You see, with God, communal disruptions have personal grace in mind. They're an invitation to personal grace. And with God, personal disruptions invite us to the mission of grace. Gideon's questions God's goodness. Gideon's questions his own effectiveness in God. His answer is, lo, I am with you, O mighty man of valor. Um, <clears throat> you see, even to take it a step further, even to think about this in a, in a deeper way, what God begins to do through grace is to unearth a couple things in Gideon's life. And the first is his identity. The first place that God seems to go is in his identity. That God begins to ad- address Gideon as a mighty man of valor. Now, that is such a peculiar thing, as I shared. Um, that's a laugh-out-loud sort of statement if you just saw the, the, the picture of what's going on. So what's going on? You see, friends, um, the minute that you and I are in Christ, the minute that you and I are with God, you and I are who we are becoming. You and I are who you and I are becoming with Christ. Like you and I are holy. We have been declared holy. It has been stated over us, and you are becoming holy. You and I, with Jesus, are saints. We are becoming more and more saintly. You and I are pure. We are becoming more and more pure. You are, my friends, who you are becoming in Christ, with the Lord. You see, when God looked upon Gideon, he says, you are a mighty warrior, and I am going to make you into that. You are becoming that which you are. That which I've declared, that which I have stated over you, is that which I will do in you. If you're wondering, like, where do you get this in the scriptures? Well, I'll just simply say, Hebrews 4, uh, 10, 14 is a great, great picture that particularly highlights this reality. And this is what it says. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Did you catch that? That by a single offering that God has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified, in other words, being made perfect. Um, You are who you are becoming. Friends, what God wants to do into our lives when he begins to bring disruption into our lives is to bring grace. And grace begins to work itself out in, in reestablishing an identity that we are who we are becoming. With God, communal disruptions invite us to personal grace. And with God, 
personal disruptions invite us to the mission of grace. Um, if you know how the story ends, um, you will know that Gideon moves into a time and in a place where uh, he wins an incredible battle. In fact, God wins the battle through Gideon. Um, and he takes a very small army that has no business fighting in any kind of military war, and he brings that small army even into a smaller number of 300, and he doesn't even put any weapons into their hands. Um, what he does is he hands them some trumpets and some jars, and if you know the story, they win the battle uh, in a miraculous way because God shows up, and God is clearly the hero of the story. Well, I don't want to go there, and if you want to read uh, Judges 6 through 9, you'll get the whole story of, of Gideon. And, um, but what I want to go is at the end of this chapter, starting in verse 25. Let me read and, and, and finish with one more thought. That night, the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the Asherite that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of the stronghold here, with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah, um, Asherah that you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. You see what God begins to do when he begins to work grace into our lives is he begins to kind of re energize us. He begins to rename us. He begins to uh, help us see our true identity as his sons. But he also goes deeper, and he doesn't just uh, end with our identity, but he takes it further into some of our idolatries. <laughs> and it's pretty clear as you begin to see uh, Gideon's life that some of his idolatries were probably in his family and in people. Because it says there, but because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. And yet he did it. Yet he obeyed. And friends, clumsy obedience is still courageous obedience, is it not? Like clumsy obedience is courageous obedience. And so let's keep reading. Verse 28. When the men of the town rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was broken down and the Asherah beside it was cut down and the second bull was offered on the altar that had been built exactly as God had commanded. And they said to one another, who has done this thing? And after they searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joaz, has done this thing. Then the men of the town said to Joaz, bring out your son that he may die. For he has broken down the altar of Baal and cut down the Asherah beside it. But Joaz said to all who stood against him, Will you contend for Baal? Or will you save him? Whoever contends for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him contend for himself, because his altar has been broken down. Therefore, on the day Gideon was called Jeroboam, that is to say, let Baal contend against him, because he broke down his altar. You see, what I love that God is doing here is that God is uh, moving in Gideon's heart and life. And before he does this mission of rescuing God's people out there, he begins to rescue him from the mission of what's happening in his own household, even in his own heart. That he begins to rip out the idols of his own heart. 
that sometimes disruption not just helps to help us see our identity more clearly, but it also helps us see our idolatries. Like, this is what God does. He begins to expose our false identities, and he begins to expose our impotent idols. And as I thought about this, this hit me hit home for me, just even in this past year, of just the personal idols, the personal idols of comfort, the personal idols of respect, that when God has brought like, disruption into my life, what begins so clear to me is that I have idols of security, of success, of effectiveness. I have idols of efficiency. I have idols of just simply being right. And friends, I'm just talking about my idols here. They might be yours as well, but I, I, I'm just going off of what I know to be what God has been doing in my own heart and life, helping me see that these have no power whatsoever. And yet with God, communal disruptions invite us to personal grace. And with God, personal disruptions invite us to the mission of grace that begins here, works out into our households, and begins to impact the world with grace. I just want to end with the verse I shared earlier. Because you see, there's one who took on disruption at the highest level. There's one who took on disruption in the, in the deepest way. Hebrews 10, 14 says this, For by one offering he has perfected all time those who are being made perfect. Friends, you and I have been invited into grace. You and I have been invited into the mission of grace by the man of grace, the man of sorrow. Um, I want to leave you with just a few questions. Do you know him? Are you truly with him? him. First John tells us, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. If you know him and you are with him, friends, in what ways has your identity slipped from being a child of God? What ways has your identity slipped from being or who you are becoming? In what ways have you taken on more of the idols of the world and, and less being set apart, being different. If you know him and you're with him, um, will you simply pray that beautiful prayer that I shared at the beginning? And that's this, Lord, help us to accept disruption as a necessary part of your transformation. Let me pray to that end. Father, thank you um, that... Beyond the disruptions, underneath the disruptions, over and through the disruptions, is a God of grace who has his children in mind. That you are a God of comfort, you are a God of respect, that you are a God of security. All those idols are nothing without you. And yet those are good things in your arms and in your grips with you. And so, God, would you draw us to yourself this morning? Would you draw us at the beginning of this year closer to experiencing the beautiful reality that you are with us? And may that reality rock us to our core and may it flow from us to a dying and broken world that is in desperate need of your grace. Begin here in my own heart, my own idols. Begin with our idols 
begin with the idols of the people that are listening and in their own households and begin to move out into this world, Father, with your mission of grace in and through us, we pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. It's great to be with you.